Welcome to Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage, the show that gives you a chance to hang with today's top contemporary jazz artists. I'm your host, Carl Brown. Hey, everybody. Uh, Welcome to the show today. Today's guest is a saxophonist that is really starting to make a name for himself in the smooth jazz world. He is fresh off of playing the the well-known Burks Jazz Festival. He has a couple of albums to his credit already and is working on his third. He's a multi-talented man hosting a radio show in his native Colorado Springs, serving as a global ambassador for a spirits brand and also acting in an independent film this year. Please welcome to the Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage, Mr. Tony Exum Jr. Tony, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. My pleasure to be here finally. <laughs> oh, we're excited. We're excited to have you, man. So you yeah. got your hands in a lot of different things, man. We wanna we wanna dig into all those different things that <laughs> sure. you're doing. But we're gonna start with your music, if that's all right. Okay. That's fine like, with me. So I gotta tell you, when I listen to your music, you know, I get a strong RB soul music influence but then i hear some of your stuff is a little bit more up tempo and some of it to me is kind of a jazz meets quiet storm kind of a feel how would you describe your music i came up with the term one time it's so funny how as musicians we you wake up from sleep and you hear this melody or you you're laying in bed and all of a sudden you're thinking about something and it just clicks so one morning i woke up and i, I was trying to figure out something to call it just something mm-hmm. to to kind of give it a little bit of a tag, you know? And I describe my music as rhythm and smooth. Rhythm and smooth. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Kind of that, that, uh, you know, combination of the the rhythm, blues, R&B, soul influence with, you know, the smooth contemporary jazz. So it's kind of a a way that I try to, you know, bridge the two, bridge that. Not necessarily a big gap, but kind of just make a really good mixture of, uh, two influences yeah that i love that and that, that's a great description for your music so talk to us a little bit about you know your approach to developing music like i think for every artist that's different you know so for you what are the cornerstones to how you go about doing what you do i tend to um i guess being a saxophonist melody is always is a virtue you know it's the first thing sometimes mm-hmm. that you come up with so a lot of times songs that i've written or co-produced started out with melodic ideas and like, you know, some of my forefathers, you know, like Rover did like uh, guys like even Bodie James or George Howard, some of those players, you know, they create a riff or create, you know, some melody lines and you record it or you kind of hum it onto a, you know, to your phone recorder or something like that. And then later on, you can kind of apply the other musical elements to see what fits. Yeah. Um, so that's that's a big way that I do a lot of my music. Other times, producers will send you a track and, you know, it might be kind of a scaled down version or skeleton version of what the actual song may be once it's done. Okay. But, you know, a lot of times it could be just drums and a chord progression. So what, you know, we do with saxophone players, sometimes you just start riffing over the, that, that track and just start developing ideas, you know, these different motifs that you come up with. And, and those will evolve eventually into, you know, full-blown melodies yeah. and arrangements. So um, those are two of the ways that I do it. Other times, you know, just um, influences from other players, you know, listening to, uh, and in different types of genres, because I, I think yeah. a lot of us are influenced from the straight-ahead side of the fence as well, you yeah. know, traditional jazz. So those that's a big influence on, you know, just uh, just music in general. So if I hear, you know, I, I tend to get on these uh, 
tangents, and I think a lot of sax players or just jazz musicians in general can, can relate, where you might start listening to like John Coltrane or you might start listening to Cannonball mm-hmm. Adderley, you kind of get encapsulated with that era, that sound for a little while. And then you later can draw from whatever you picked up from, uh, you know, that type of listening and apply yeah. it to what you're doing. So, and I get it from all genres, from hip hop, from funk, you know, I'm a big okay. P-Funk fan. Yeah. Paul you know, so and Funkadelic is definitely part of my music uh, DNA. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. So uh, the songs from that era, you know, Cameo, Slave, those types of bands, you know, I grew up with that stuff. And so, I hear a horn line, one of their horn, you know, one of those songs, especially like the early cameo stuff. It's like, man, uh-huh. you know, you learn it and then it becomes something else, you know, in a, in a song when you least expect it or when you're improvising, you, you know, may pull from from that listening as well. So right. you know, it's a kind of a barrage of um, influences for me. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned some really great ones there. I mean, I heard you talk about some some of the artists that I love listening to like uh, mm-hmm. George Howard, God rest his soul was yeah. amazing to me. That's yeah. one of my favorites. I, I light up every time I hear something by George Howard. Me and, too. You know, there was something about that soprano sound that he had that yeah. just got me when I was about 15 or 16, you know, when, when he was really, really uh, at his peak, you know, um, that generation of saxophone players I really, you know, related to. Now, my mother was very big in Grover. You know, she grew up, she raised yeah. me with Grover Washington. Okay. Ronnie Laws. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and Sanborn. But, uh, you know, when I was in my teen years, you know, in the early 90s, um, and I started to play saxophone. I started to listen to the guys that were kind of relevant. Not to say Grover and Ronnie weren't, but just, you know, the newer guys, the new mm-hmm. generation mm-hmm. at that time. And uh, coming from that Grover Washington kind of Ronnie Laws, uh, I call it a school of thought, so to speak. Sure. Uh, and so, uh, you know, Najee and, and George, but George on soprano, because I like soprano so much. I really I really just like his his sound, his music. Yeah. You know, um, it was just something about those records of that era. It was just like, because I think it was, it, it kind of sounded like what we listened to on the radio. But yeah. Uh-huh. Contemporary jazz. Yeah. And, yeah. And even though as rumor, not, not rumor, but, you know, as legend has it, George wasn't digging that stuff. You know, that personal album, which is the most famous one, he didn't like that. He thought they were trying to turn him into like the Bobby Brown of the saxophone. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, okay. He, he, but, uh, you know, but that was his most most famous record and, and, and his kind of definitive record. And I always tell people, if they ever ask you like, what does contemporary jazz sound like if they don't know or what is smooth jazz or the roots of it? That's one album that I would pull out and say, okay, listen to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it, it's uh, it's a big part of me, such a big part of me. Yeah, that's awesome, and, and I love your 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 reference about talking to people about you know what smooth jazz is and trying to help them understand it. Because I had a conversation with somebody just the other day, and and they said to me, "I thought smooth jazz was elevator music," you know. And I've I've <laughs> said to people multiple times, "It's like no, that's not what no. you're thinking about." And I've said that no. you know, if if you can tell me an artist that you like in any genre and I can probably point you to somebody in the smooth or contemporary jazz field that you would like, because you like that artist in that other genre, be it rock yes. or, or, or R and B or gospel or whomever, yes. whatever genre I can point you to somebody in this contemporary or smooth jazz world that you would dig because you like that over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and people, you know, um, associated with that because I think of um, prominence of the, of the radio format, you know, mm-hmm. Start to, to to take shape, you know, the in the mid nineties, you know, and it was really just it was it was booming, you know, pretty much every city 
any mid-sized city in the country right. had a smooth gas station and the bigger cities had two or three, you know, depending mm-hmm. on what region you were in. So you had a lot of radio. And so I told people like smooth jazz is more of a radio format at one point in time than it was a musical one, mm. but it became a musical format because of all the great music that has been, you know, played on the radio. But at one point in time, it was just a format to take what the guys I mentioned earlier did, but they wanted to make it, you know, uh, palatable for, you know, middle America, I guess. So right. they, they added some, some Richard Marks and some, you know, Phil Collins and, yeah. you know, uh, uh, and a little bit of Sade and, and, and Luther and Anita, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that sophisticated R&B, as they called it. And Freddie Jackson, you know, You Were My Lady. Collins, Another Day in Paradise. Put those songs on the radio along with a Najee record or, or and then we all know what Kenny G did. And he, but he was like world famous before he, the moniker even came out. You know, right, he was. He was. Way. So yeah. when they understand the origins of it, and so sometimes I describe it as, okay, well, it might be smooth jazz on the radio, but it's contemporary jazz when it's live in front of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, or there might be a smooth jazz song on someone's record, but the rest of the album might be way funkier or may, may edgier. But you know, we all have to uh, you know make records that that fit the format and and that people enjoy. Yeah, know, because it's yeah. all good music, um, regardless yeah. of uh, which way it's leaning to me. So it's never been elevator music. It's so funny because someone accused me of playing that on my radio station because huh. Jazz ninety three point five FM is uh, primarily a traditional jazz station. All of the smooth and contemporary programming is me. Okay. Uh, and I do one straight ahead show on Saturday afternoons because I enjoy that too. So <laughs> it was a comment on one of the pages like, what do you like about, you know, uh, Jazz 935? We were doing, I think, a summer membership drive. Okay. And this guy says, you know, well, I like all the program except for the elevator music that Tony played. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, you calling Jeff Lorber elevator music? Right, Wayland? right, right. Lorber? You know, uh, uh, Julian Vaughn, Marcus Anderson. No, me. Like, yeah, like, yeah. You know, but uh, it's 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 kind of a an unfortunate stereotype, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it is. But you know what? You're never going to please everybody, right? And what I find about right, what right. I find about this genre is that people who love it love it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they they are into it and they are they are committed. You know, like I know yeah. we have we have fans of our show. We have people who come to our festival who. This is what they live for. It's one of the things that it's 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 um it's a bit of peace for them, a bit of heaven, a bit of joy for them, and they love it. So, so that's all good. So you just came off of playing Burks recently. Yes. How was that experience for you? That was a lot of fun, and it felt just good to be there. You know, yeah, like the who's who and the, the 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 game is is there every year, and it's it's the kickoff of the. Of course, before COVID, it was the kickoff of the festival season. So right. it gets the whole excitement started of the new, that new time of the year. And so I felt really good just being amongst my peers, but also being amongst people that I look up to, you know. So sure. uh, it made me feel really good. And it felt like, you know, um, I think all artists, um, you know, we, especially as indie artists, people that start out being indie, um, you know, we've all had our moments where, you know, you want to be validated. Of course. By, your peers or by the, 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 the industry itself or, or what have you. Uh, I felt that being there. Good. Um, and I think, you know, just being booked on it, you know, kind of sends a good message. Um, yeah, absolutely. To, to the, to the other promoters and, and, and to people that uh, love music alike. So to, to be standing on the stage with the man that played with Grover playing Grover mm-hmm. was big for me. Good for you. you. Know, we started out the, we started out the uh, midnight jam, which is why I was there with wine light. 
Uh-huh. And I'm playing with this wine light with Gerald Beasley, and I'm thinking this is pretty serious, you know. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And then you know some of my peers, like my good friend Rob Zinn, standing right next to me, you know, and uh, and uh, Tom Braxton, and you sure. know, my good friend, uh, you know, uh, Blake Aaron, and you know, as we call him, Uncle Nick was there. Nick uh-huh. So just having some fun with all those guys that I've known for a while, and I think. It, it definitely spoke a few volumes for me to be there and be booked on it. And I haven't had a chance to sit down and, and chat with uh, my good friend, Nelson Rangel, who's like, you know, sax player, sax player. Right. Right. From Colorado. So we don't see each other often, but you know, we, we had breakfast and, and uh, had a good conversation. So it was just a couple of days of just fun and, and great music. Um, as always, you know, Burks has a tradition of having some really good, uh, shows, you know, I got a chance mm-hmm. to see Kirk and, and Keiko Matsui. Then I saw uh, that new the, the young brother on the on the guitar, the blues, uh, Kingfish. Oh yeah, China. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he did his show, and I was amazed by him. He's something else. Um, yeah, you know. So that that was just an enjoyable experience, and that's one thing I like about smooth jazz is that when you come to those festivals, it's not just all about the music; it's the experience. It's the yeah. So, Tony, how long have you been playing the saxophone and making music professionally? I started playing the saxophone when I was 11. Oh, wow. Sixth grade, yeah. Uh, and then I started playing professionally, believe it or not, right after, right after high school. Um, okay. Yeah, my first gig, as a matter of fact, was uh, that same year I graduated. Uh, a few months later, my high school principal and her husband we're celebrating their 25th uh, wedding anniversary. Uh-huh. They hired me to play. Oh, that's uh, cool. At their uh, event. So that was my first professional check. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. It felt, did it feel real then? <laughs> oh, man. I, I was, I mean, when you were in college, I was already started. I already started my first quarter at uh, studying music at University of Denver. Okay. I was on Luther break. But yeah, I was, you know, 1973. $75 was, you know, a nice little, that sure was, you know, nice little amount of money for an 18 year old back then. So <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's, you know, were you, was there ever a time where you thought, well, I, I'm, I like doing music, but maybe I want to pursue something else or was it always music? Music kind of just grabbed me right when I was about 15 or 16. And I kind of fought with it for a few years until okay. I went and saw, I saw two great concerts in one summer. Uh-huh. I saw David Sanborn and uh, Al Jarreau. They used to come to Denver every summer. Wow. And then right after that, I saw Kenny G at the state fairgrounds in Pueblo, Colorado. Okay. And I was hooked. I was like, okay, I, I need to just stop playing. That's going to be me mm-hmm. one day. So, yeah. uh, you know, that's the, about, I was about 17. I said, okay, yeah, I, I had some other ideas, but once I uh, saw that, like, the die was cast at that point. So, it was a lock, huh? Yeah, no turning back. At, at <laughs> well, we're glad we're glad that it was a lock for you. Why don't we take a yeah. listen to some of your music? Um, All right, let's listen to uh, "Get At You." This is uh, Tony Exum Jr.
right. That was our guest today, Tony Exum Jr. with Get At You. And so in addition to being a musician, man, you got your hands on a lot of other stuff, right? So you're tell us about your radio show that you host in Colorado Springs. Yes. Yeah, so um, for a long time, uh, the classical station here in Colorado Springs would play jazz on Saturdays. Okay. And then a little bit during that time, there was, you know, when smooth jazz was still prominent on terrestrial radio, we had a smooth jazz station called Sax 105.5. Uh, both of them went away in the early 2000s, maybe right before 2010. Mm-hmm. So there was like this void, you know, for jazz radio, Colorado Springs in particular. And so um, the general manager at the time of KCME decided he wanted to find another tower and a translator and, and create a jazz station because there were so many people who were literally missing that Saturday, you know, Saturday jazz on KCME. It was like maybe August. I was uh, getting ready for another tour date. I think I was going out to the D.C. area with uh, my man D. Lucas. And so I had one little gig right before that for an arts festival downtown. And it's called the What If Festival. Okay. All kinds of great, just, they call it the Imagination Celebration. Huh. Really cool art from all types of things, from dance to sculptures to paintings to just whatever you can come up with creatively. Yeah. It was just a lot of stuff. And so they would have artists play so I, I played uh, with my trio at this gazebo right in front of an old uh, historic museum downtown. It's a great, you know, great day. And so the ladies uh, at the station said, hey, Tony, you know, we're, we are going to move forward with the jazz station in a couple of months. We want to huh. include jazz, but we don't know that music at all. And this is what you do. Would you like to be a host? You know, um, we're just thinking we would like some prominent musicians to have like a one hour a week kind of a thing. I said, of course. You know, I had been trying awesome. to do a... I've been trying to do a radio on another station that was like a community station. And I was asking them if I could come do like a, you know, smooth contemporary jazz, you know, early evening show on like a Thursday. Mm-hmm. So I was bringing Paula Atherton out to Colorado. We had a show coming up like a few weeks later. So I set up an interview on a show called Culture Zone on that station with her. And then I went and did one in person. Okay. I got hired on the spot. We had a long conversation about the genre. They're like, listen, you, you'll be great for this. We want to make sure we're including all forms of jazz. And we want those listeners to, to make this station work because it's listener-supported radio. That's so fantastic. I got hired that day. And, you know, the rest is history. It's been about four years, actually, this week. Fantastic. Well, congratulations, man. And happy anniversary yeah. on that, man. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a lot. It's been a great journey. I love radio. I love yeah. radio. Yeah. Yeah. I do too. I, I, and, and we, in, in a lot of cities now, there's such, there's a void. There is no smooth jazz radio, as we mentioned a little bit earlier. And so it's great that your people in Colorado Springs are doing that. How do you, yeah. how do you manage the, you know, the, you know, that side of your life with the, you know, the being an artist side of your life, because like being an artist yeah. is a more than a full-time job and now you got this right. other job. So. Yeah, exactly. Cause I, <laughs> it's so funny. Cause when I first started, it was just a few hours a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gave her, I gave the program director and she's a, you know, jazz pianist in town, vocalist. Uh, she's like, Oh, you got two different shows, Tony. She's like, that's two different concepts. So here's what we're going to do. This one show, I, I wanted to showcase all the new guys. Okay. So I call that show the new generation of smooth jazz. So that's like, to make it kind of make sense, like from Mike Phillips on forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's all Sundays, all, I mean, those guys and you know, Mike, you know, Joaquin, Eric, all the new guys like myself, Marcus, yeah, you know, and Anderson, Julian Vaughn. But then I have Lanyap, which is the weeknight show, which is where I play, you know, 
the Geralds and the Normans and the Boney James and, you know, okay. and I even have a show on Tuesday, what's called classics and C jazz, where I take you back to, uh, you know, the era before the smooth moniker came on. So, okay. After you hear the classic George Duke and the Brecker brothers and the old Grover and yeah. Cool 80 stuff from like the Rippingtons and Spira Gyra and, you know, uh, Jeff Lord Refusion and, you know, early Kenny G, that kind of stuff. So, okay. Uh, okay. They kind of fit. We you got two different shows. So I started out, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. That turned into Monday through Friday and Sunday. And then that turned into every day of the week. Wow. (laughs) The cool thing is that I can choose what days I want to be actually live on the air. So, you know, we're allowed to do what they call voice tracking, which is kind of a fancy way of Mm pre-recording. Voice tracking is because you're actually recording onto a log system. Okay. um, Software where you kind of drag and drop your music and then you talk, you know, do your front and back announcing, uh, you know, electronically there. And so when that time slot comes in the law, that's when your show comes on. So I can go in at any point in time and feel like today, you know, when we get done, if I wanted to, I could go to the studio if it's open okay. uh, and for tonight's show. Cause I come on at eight o'clock uh, mountain time uh, every weekday night. So gotcha. that's how I've been able to balance it because I can choose what days I can be live on the air. So, uh-huh. you know, for example, I got a big, big tour coming up, you know, in a couple of weeks, well, actually starting on Saturday, so I'm in the process of pre-recording, you know, two weeks worth of shows or at least setting the music up. Okay. So it allows that's the perfect blessing because it allows me to have that balance, you know. And yeah. That's how I do it. I mean, I it's like my home away from home because I'm on the air every day. So yeah. There quite a bit. But uh it, it's been a really cool experience and teaching me like time management, you know. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. I can story. imagine. I've learned learned a hard lesson with that. I bet. <laughs> so you also, though, you also are the global ambassador for a vodka brand. How did that come about? Yes. Um, it's so funny. Just I tell people all the time, like, you know, this business, as you know, you know, is built off of relationships. It is. Um, no doubt. Not as much always how how well you play or perform or write or produce. Sometimes it's just, you know, they used to say back in the day, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah, that's very uh, true. A good friend of mine. um, who's been real intriguing in, in progress in my career. He's a radio personality like yourself. He has his own radio network. Okay. His name is Marcus Dupree, but he oh, goes sure. by DJ Sparks. Yeah. And Sparks Radio Network. That's my guy. So he introduced me to the, uh, one of the owners of Castell uh, Vodka brand. And okay. so we started having some conversations and there was another gentleman from Denver who used to promote concerts. And he said, you know, this guy, he could be a good, you guys should just meet. So we started having phone conversations and it started out like that. And then he said, you know what? I want you to be a global brand ambassador. You know, what do you think about that? And I gave it some thought for about a week or so. I was like, you uh-huh. know, let me check you guys out and see what's going on. And thought it was a very positive thing. So that's how, that's how that happened. It just, you know, kind of walked into it and we just yeah. had a good rapport, you know? And so I'd never done anything like that before. I never, you know, been an ambassador or anything like that, you know, for mm-hmm. any kind of company. So that was my first kind of step into that type of thing. And uh, it's been a good experience so far, you know, they're a culture brand and they, they do a lot of community stuff outside of that. And, uh, you know, okay. and it, it kind of goes hand in hand with what we do, you know, smooth jazz is a lifestyle and it is. And, yeah. And some of those yeah. like to partake in that, that lifestyle. So there's the fine dining, you know, uh, premium liquor kind of thing and the cigars mm-hmm. and the, you know, the hotels and the resorts and all that good stuff or yeah. people sitting at home enjoying the music with a nice cognac or whatever. You always see that Im- that imagery, you know, when you think about what we do. Yeah. And so it kind of just kind of fit hand in hand. And uh, 
that's you know that's been a, a good thing so far as well. Yeah, well, it, it does seem like it fits hand in hand. And it's, I think you're right, because, you know, I think the, the Smooth Jazz audience, you made a great point. It is kind of a lifestyle. And so lifestyle brands are wise to tap into that, it seems. Yes. So, yes. And then you, you also acted in an independent film this year, huh? Yeah. So, how, uh, yeah, okay. we did some, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we did some independent, we did some uh, principal filming. Um, so that's funny how that, that all ties in. So the owner of, one of the owners of uh, Castell Brand just happens to be a producer of this film. Okay. He's talking with me. He's like, yeah, you know, I'm producing this movie. And it's a it's a Christian film called Behind Church Doors. Okay. I was like, oh, man. I said, hey, they got some extras. Like, I was I was halfway clown. I was like, you know, I, I could just be like the dude on the corner or something or just, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> one of the members of the church, you know, something like that, or the paper boy, you know. Something <laughs> crazy. He said, well, I'm not going to do better than that. So he... Um, he contacted the the producer and the director of the film. Her name is Dr. Tracy Worley. She's a she's an author and uh, you know a theologian. And so um, uh-huh. this film is an adaptation of a book that she wrote. And so okay. said, we're going to do a virtual table read. Tell Tony that you know we want him to audition for the part of this uh, kind of a guy in the church who happens to be a police officer. Um, uh-huh. It's like, a, it's like a, not literally an elder in the church, but he's one of those prominent church members and sure. kind of has a has a presence. He just happens to be a police officer, you know, I guess that's his day gig. So I did a table read with the whole cast and I got the part. That's and amazing, so, uh, man. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I have something I've always wanted to do. I was like, well, let me just get my feet wet and see what it's like. I've done some like stuff here in Colorado, like, you know, some uh, some plays. OK. You know, over the years, um, just but I was always playing a musician. It seemed like every play I was in, I was. Mm-hmm. I was Tony Exum Jr., but under a different name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, well, let, let me try to act this time. I don't want to be a saxophone player. I want to be, want to actually have a part. So this is not a major role in the film, but it's a, it's a, one of those kind of minor roles that you just see throughout the film. And so we started pr- principal pr- photography this summer, but due to the Delta variant and its uh, mm-hmm. progression, we had to pull back. So it looks like we're going to pick up uh, filming in March. Great, and, uh, great. The film summer. Yeah. Okay. So, well, we'll have to look forward to that. It's called Behind yeah. Behind Church Doors, you said, behind huh? Behind Church Doors, yes. You can look on uh, online. That, that's actually the website, behindchurchdoors.com. And there's a, okay. gives me the synopsis of the story and all of the uh, the actors and uh, kind of the idea what uh, what the story is all about. It's a really good story. Very good. Message. So with yeah. all these other things that you're doing, how do they impact your creation of your music? You know, it influences it. It kind of drives me to to be the best I can with music because, of course, that's my wheelhouse. You know, uh, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a saxophone player. No matter right, what right. I try to do, you know, that's that's who I am. But it, it definitely influences it. You know, with radio, I get to support all of my peers in, in this genre and, and, and support my my heroes and keep this music on the air. You know, we refer to jazz music in its entirety as America's indigenous art form. That's what we right. call it. Right. So it's important that we keep that on the air no matter what it is. And to have a terrestrial station that streams across the world, uh, it's, that's rare in, in most cities this size. It is. Uh, you know, cities way bigger than us that don't, that, that, that don't have that distinction. So I take it very personal um, to, to keep the art form going. And so that's yeah. an influence. It influences my playing. And then with the acting, it's like, well, I can step into another side of my creativity in and you kind of get to, you know, learn a little bit more about how, because sometimes as a musician, there's a, there's a persona 
mm-hmm. that you kind of have on stage that might be a little different from who you are in everyday life. And I think a lot of us can probably relate to that. So I, I it's kind of like, I think being a musician and, and being in that, uh, kind of having that vibe is lending itself in some way to being able to act a little bit. Yeah. You know? I'm going to see, you know, I, I, I think there might be a, phase three of my career but there you, you go know, we don't know yet but i'm going to try it out and see if i can you know do some minor roles i'm not trying to you know make that full transition i will always play saxophone for a living as long as as far as i'm concerned right you know? right but uh if i can do some other things that i always dreamed about you know it's one of those things where i want to show musicians that you know go for it and not only that you know we're in an era where you got to have some other streams of income so if you yeah. can do it in a creative uh vein and not have to compartmentalize yourself, you know, which is difficult at times. We have the day job or corporate gig, and then you're a musician at night. You know, it's it's two different uh, ways of thinking. And so I, I was that guy for a long time too. So I can yeah. relate. And so I, I just look at it as a total blessing to to step into a world where I can be creative, make a decent living, and uh, you know, just kind of solidify this quote unquote brand. Uh, Absolutely, as they say. That's great, man. Well, we, we everybody, y'all heard it here. So be looking out for this brother uh, and and other productions coming to a screen or a stage near you. But yeah. in the interim, we're glad you're we're glad you're not going to stop playing the saxophone. Let's take oh, a little listen to some more of your music. This is "Don't Run from Love."
All right. You just heard Don't Run From Love by today's guest, Tony Exum Jr., uh, a real renaissance man, a businessman, <laughs> a saxophone player, uh, an actor, and all those other things. So, Tony, on, with, on every show, we play this game that we call Bout It or Doubt It, okay? Okay. And if you bout it, it's something that you're feeling, something that you like. If you doubt it, it's something you're not quite feeling, all right? You, all right. Can, we, can, we, can we twist your arm to play? Sure, let's go. If you bout it, get them up. I mean you body body. I mean body. We say you body body. I represent. I doubt it. All right, all right. So first thing we're going to do is going to spin the wheel to get to a category. So let's go ahead and spin the wheel. All right, Tony. Your category today is movies. All right. So about it or doubt it, romantic comedies. Uh. <laughs> See, <laughs> I, ca- I caught I, you I'm on one. Huh? On the doubted side, man. I, yeah, I just, can't do it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I tell you, it's funny you say that because I'm I'm a little bit on the, on the doubted side on that one too. My my wife, uh, my wife would watch Hallmark twenty four seven. You know, that's the first thing I thought of when you said that too. <laughs> yes, and I and I tell her all the time. I was like. She says to me, I guess I got to do better as a husband and do this sometimes. But she says, well, why don't you watch this Hallmark movie? Which I said, baby, they're all the same. Like, I know what's going to happen before it even starts. You know? <laughs> yeah, very predictable. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I'm with you on that one. I'm kind of a doubter on that one. Too. OK, let's do one more. About it or doubt it. Star Wars. About it. All day long. OK, OK. Oh, yeah. Yes, How did you get into Star Wars initially? You know, growing up when I was in Germany, um, I remember uh, going to see Empire Strikes Back. Uh huh. You know, back then, those are the days, you know, of course, we all remember when we went to the movies, it was one room, one big old screen, mm-hmm. you know, and you had to get there and, and get your seat, you know, wasn't these little multiplexes we got nowadays. Right. But, you know, back then, I was living in a village called Vogelway, which was right outside of Kaiserslautern, Germany. Okay. So that was where a lot of the military lived. It's military housing. Look like kind of remind me like you know I hate to say it like this, but it kind of remind me like like these military projects, even though it really wasn't like that. Oh, yeah. All these four story we call them stairwells, as far as you can see. Uh huh. It was a very big village, a very big community, you know. And there was that one theater that we could walk to that would have all the big movies. And so you had to get there early. There was a line usually outside the building to get in, and you know um, if you grew up Air Force and watched movies, you know they did this whole patriotic film, and then your dad had to stand up. When the when the Sparkling Banner came on, and you know that whole experience. Uh huh. I'll never forget the white, plain white paper bags with the with the popcorn and the <laughs> orange and yellow uh, flowery cups with the soda in it. Uh huh. I went and saw Empire Strikes Back. It had been out in the states for a while, but it had made its way overseas, and so it was a little, probably a little bit after the movie was out. After that, I was hooked. I rem- kind of remembered Star Wars, but you know, I was like six years old. So once I saw that they did a kind of a series. So then a couple of weeks later, they aired the actual original star Wars film. And I was okay. like, that first one, you know, then it was like, and then, so, you know, all the little uh, toys started coming out. So yeah. you know, Christmas, I got, you know, uh, a little millennium Falcon. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you oh, were yeah. a fan's fan. Oh yeah. Yeah. Big fan. Uh huh. So, Tony, you've worked with lots of popular names in smooth jazz. Are there any artists that you seem to have a particularly special vibe with? 
Yes. Um, Blake, Aaron, and I have a cool vibe. We've played okay. together. Of course, D. Lucas. You know, we've toured together. So D is definitely, uh, you know, I consider him uh, not only just a good fellow performer, but he's a, you know, one of my best friends, you know, which is Great. really cool. Well, Julian Bond and I, we've played together. We always have fun. Uh-huh. Uh, we played play the same gig. And I think Rob Zinn and I are going to have that same synergy. We haven't played together officially yet, but we have we have a similar management company that, does, that uh, you know, is behind us. So we're looking forward to this five-day run we got coming up. Good. But I can tell them and I are going to have, you know, a lot of fun and we're going to definitely uh, be a good pair. Marcus okay. Anderson. Marcus Anderson, yeah, that's my guy. But Marcus Adams... No, we call ourselves. Uh, what do we call ourselves? <laughs> he came up with. He calls ourselves Double Trouble. Is what he said. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, he and I definitely have a good good time. Um, That's cool. Doing that, doing some things together. So, yeah, you know, I think there's a really cool spirit of camaraderie in school jazz with the, with the newer guys. Yeah, yeah. Each other, and you got guys that are like Darren Ron. You know, my buddy up north here from Denver. You know, being one of the major producers or one of the most successful. And then you got Adam Holly, who I've mm-hmm. had a time playing for Adam Holly. Adam has so much energy. Yeah. Uh, and it's just all into his shows. And he's started to develop uh, as an as a incredible producer. So, you know, that, that, that spirit of camaraderie is just really deep in, in the genre, which is very, very good. So, um, not unlike the guys that came before us, you know, we were able to work together, you know, in, in these package shows and mm-hmm. tours the fans love it you know yeah. and it's it's important that we do that because it's, it's it's intriguing to keep the, the music alive you know this i think you i think you're absolutely right you hit on something big and and the fans can tell when there's that there's that yeah. camaraderie and there's that vibe right like you can see absolutely. you can see the energy we just did um we just did our fresh coast jazz festival fall affair uh october 9th and julian uh, Vaughn was our headliner and Marcus Adams played with Julian and they, you could just, I mean, they, they worked so well together. Mm -hmm. Like there was a point where I kid you not, everybody that could was upstanding and dancing in front of their seats or in the aisles or whatever. Right. And it was just that kind of an energy that everybody just, everybody felt it and everybody, you know, was able to enjoy it and and, and respond to it. Yeah, it, it's and Julian's music, you know, um, has this thing about it that just makes people dance. And then there's certain songs that he does. Mm-hmm. You know, I played at the Winter Park Jazz Fest here in Colorado uh, this past July, and um, it was kind of a rough gig because there were some technical issues. Okay, going on. But by the time we got to the end of it, and he went into that uh, that rock steady. Yeah, I mean, the hot entire crowd was on their feet, and we just let them have it for that. That's rest awesome. Of that time and so julian has a special way of really engaging the audience and so for for uh for a saxophone player you know when you're playing along with them you just kind of dive into that so i yeah. I, I can imagine yeah. uh those two together especially you know being really special so that that's the cool thing you know like we we there's that respect too yeah clearly um you know it's it's smooth jazz is competitive but not like like hip-hop competitive or you know, rap competitive. It's it's mm-hmm. competitive in the sense that you want to put your best effort forward and you want to present yourself uh, in, in the totality of what you do as top notch as possible and, and be you know industry standard and beyond. 
But as far as us playing, you know, we all have a, a mutual respect society or mutual admiration for each other's abilities. So that's what makes it easy to, to do these shows. Uh, a good example was like recently, uh, September, I did a show with uh, my buddy um, who produced and wrote Don't Run From Love, Mandela Andrew. Oh, yes. Yeah. And then Jay White from Phoenix. You know, we did a show together because uh, this guy had saw us do a birthday party for a good friend of ours in San Diego before COVID and booked us as a trio and decided to book us as a trio upon seeing that show. Okay. And so um, and he saw the show and he said, yeah, those three guys together. So we just had a ball, the three of us, you know, like I said, we <laughs> all have a mutual respect. We're all, you know, different horn players. We have a different approach, but something that kind of just works together. Mm-hmm. So the similarities don't get in the way of individuality. So that was a fun gig. Vandell and I, you know, we've done some stuff together, you know, years ago, and then bringing Jay White along just made sense. And I remember I predicted that we were in San Diego, we we're sitting at breakfast. You know, me, I, I'm always thinking, you know, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm, you know, this is the package, right? You know, we could do this nationally. Right? They start laughing at me, like, "What's Tony <laughs> thinking again?" I'm like, "No, dude, seriously, us, three of us on one stage, yeah." And then here yeah. we go, you know, yeah. later in. Yeah. <laughs> that's great man that is fantastic so that's tell me fantastic. something your fans would be surprised to learn about you i'm asthmatic okay how do you handle that playing being a saxophone player wow you know staying staying abreast of uh you know your medications and, and mm-hmm. uh, trying to avoid the triggers my asthma is more allergy based so I can be triggered by plants or grasses or pets of course sure or weather so um, I've had a few scares in my career, you know, I got hospitalized a couple of times. It's been quite some time. Finally got a hold on the right medication. So, okay. Good um, for you. I can only imagine what it, I would sound like maybe without it, but I, I've never even thought about that. You know, I started playing as a kid because it was kind of an alternative to developing my lungs other than sports because exercise can induce asthma too. Mm-hmm. And I got into it not just for the music because I wanted to be a saxophone player, but also for that purpose, the doctors were like, well, that's a good way for him to stay healthy. Yeah. So I just imagine that, you know, I don't have it. The only time it affects you is when, you know, when you have no symptoms and you play or, you know, sometimes you out on the road and you might get this little trigger, but you just keep your, you know, keep your inhaler handy, mm-hmm. you know, close by, you know, just pay attention to those, those different things that, that all of us suffer from, um, and, you know, try to avoid them or just try to manage, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's probably one. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, you're mentioning something that is actually um, important to me. I have a daughter who is asthmatic and her, her, her desire in life is to be a singer. And so just like you, you know, it's been, you know, we have her in vocal lessons and things like that and her learning how to breathe and where to where to where to originate her breathing from and all of those things. And her trigger is the weather primarily, you know, and living in Wisconsin right about now, this time of year is a time of year that's a struggle for her in the fall. I see how her learning to sing, learning how to breathe and those things, how that's helped her. Her her symptoms aren't as severe as they used to be now that she has learned some of those things from a singing perspective. Yes. And, you know, there's, um, I'm not going to say her name on this, but I'm going to let you know of a really good singer that I want her to listen to. Also asthmatic. Okay. I'll let you know. That's great. Uh, that's great. 
I will turn her on to it for sure. Well, let's take a listen to one more of your tunes, man, while we got you today. Uh, we're going to listen now to My Name's Tony. This is Tony Exum Jr.
right. That was today's guest, Tony Exum Jr. with My Name's Tony. So, Tony, of all the artists out there, is there someone you haven't seen live that you're dying to see? Oh, man. Yes. I have not seen Jill Scott live yet. Okay. Okay. If I can, I haven't. I hate to admit this, but I haven't seen Stevie yet either. Okay. 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 Got to see before, you know, <laughs> yeah yeah okay i've been fortunate enough to see them both and and they are they are both well 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 worth whatever the price of admission is just both fantastic shows uh what was the last concert you paid to see oh uh, just this past week i saw erica badu oh, okay was, how was that show incredible as usual wow yeah goodness. i mean the band i mean you know erica's just amazing and just flawless on stage. But that band of hers and those mm-hmm. arrangements, you know, you could tell who the musicians were in the crowd because we were like, we we're kind of quiet and kind of fixated on stuff. And, you know, uh-huh. we all start getting that face like, ooh, you know. <laughs> um, and just kind of, you know, a couple of my buddies were there. We just look at each other and shake our head like, did you just hear that? <laughs> you know, my, my young uh, music director, I was like, I text him, was like, take notes. Uh-huh. You know, he's like, I'm... And, and so that's the kind of, you know, experience I love to have at a live show. But I'm just a fan anyway, you know, and she just uh, she put on an incredible show. That's just great experience. You know, concerts yeah. should be more than just be an experience. Sure. I agree with you 100 percent. A concert should be more than just a show. It should definitely always be an experience, something you walk away from from with some memories. Yes. No doubt about it. So what does the rest of 2021 and 22, 2022 hold for you, Tony? Well, right now, um, uh, I'm going to let a little bit of the cat out of the bag because uh, I, I, by the time this comes on, uh, you know, it'll be out there. But I'm now a signed artist. I'm happy to say. Uh, Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, a company from uh, the East Coast called BSE Recordings. All right. Uh, label, my label mate is uh, R&B star Omar Wilson. Okay. Uh, you heard him on the new version of Secret Garden that was out with... Uh, Cisco from Drew Hill and mm-hmm. Mikey So he's my label mate. Um, that's just happened just a couple weeks ago. So good for you, man. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I'm really excited about that. And uh, also this, you know, as I mentioned earlier, myself and Rob Zinn, we're going on a, a five week, uh, five, I'm sorry, five day tour, five city tour. If we get it right. Starting on uh, Saturday at the Roland smooth jazz getaway in Florida, where we'll be teaming up with, uh, James Lloyd from Pieces of a Dream, which yeah. is like a list for me, you know, uh, to play with him. And our good friends, uh, Greg Manning, Jeff Ryan, and Paula Atherton will also be a part of that. Right after that, I get to team up with Jay Rowe and open up for Chris Standring, which will be fun. Uh-huh. And then uh, Rob and I are going to go for a nice little run the following week uh, in Atlanta, South Carolina, and North Carolina uh, with the two of us. And then we culminate that with uh, the Jazz Legacy Foundation Gala we bring on our good friend, Nathan Mitchell. Wow. That'll be like wow. Background. And then I got uh, corporate gigs. I play in this corporate band sometimes. And so I do a, got a Memphis show, I think right after that. And then, uh, after that, I've got a uh, D Luke's and I team back up in Tucson, Arizona, uh, right before Thanksgiving. Okay. And, uh, Dallas, on uh, November 19th, uh, at a spot called Freeman. The historic Deep Ellum area, doing my first solo concert there. Awesome. DFW, which is one of my favorite. 
So new music is coming uh, uh, in January as a result of my signing. Uh, the single Get At You that you played earlier is doing really well on uh, national radio, so I'm very proud of that. So yeah. really just kind of keeping the train. But the biggest thing is just the, the signing uh, to, to BSC, which uh, I think is going to help take some things to some new heights. I'm really excited about it. So that's... Uh, uh, like I said, I'm leaking that just a little bit, but you know that's uh, all right. We appreciate you you leaking it yeah. with us, man. We appreciate sure, you right. leaking with us, and we're and we're happy for you, man. It's always great to hear when people put in all this hard work and effort, and they get rewarded for putting in that hard work and effort because you know it's it, it's going to help to get your music out there to more and more of us. Those of us who know it, love it. Those of us who are are going to be hip to you now are going to fall in love with it too. So we really appreciate Tony you taking time today to join us on fresh coast jazz backstage, man. And wish we, we wish you nothing but success, man. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Uh, you know, I've been aware of what you guys are doing. I love it. And so now of course I got to make my way to Milwaukee. So absolutely. And I really, you know, I want to thank you guys for what you do for all of us artists out there that, uh, we all need a voice. We all got to keep this music going. And so what you're doing, making that happen and putting the spotlight on so many talented people that uh that need it so thank you for allowing me to be one of those people it's our pleasure man all the best brother bro appreciate it all right take care that's our show for this week be sure to check out our website freshcoastjazz.com to sign up for our email list so you can stay up on what's going on with contemporary jazz we'll see you next time on fresh coast jazz backstage 